let's build something together. Lowe's, home improvement. Well, you know, that, that is, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty great line from Lowe's. And today, what I want to talk about is, you know, Christ is saying the same thing to us. Um, let's build something together. What he wants to build is you. That's what Christ wants to build together with you. See, we all know, it's a great metaphor, we all know that Jesus was a carpenter. You know, when we think about, we think about Christ and being a carpenter, we think of him, you know, building chairs and tables and, and things like that. You know, even when he was teaching, you know, people would say, well, who is this guy? Isn't, isn't this the carpenter? So, yeah, Christ was a carpenter. But, you know, a carpenter in Easton's Bible Dictionary means a whole lot more than that. It means someone who works with stone and metal as well as wood. So really what, what Jesus was, was he was a builder. You know, he knew about construction. And he used examples from his livelihood, metaphors and things like that in the stories that he told to make a point. In Matthew chapter 7, it says this, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it didn't fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. And of course, of course, it fell with a great crash. So what was Jesus saying here? What was he saying? Well, he was, a, he was a builder, and he was using an example from his own life because he was a builder. And so to help us understand a little bit about really get into what Jesus meant, I've invited a builder to come join us. Uh, P.J. Jun from Jun Construction, will you welcome him with me? Thank you for doing this. Sure. <laughs> It's great to have a victim, I mean, volunteer to come up. You actually think I know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> well, you have been. You've been a builder a long time, haven't you? I've been doing this ever since I was in high school. High school? Yeah. Summers? and. Oh, I worked summers for my, uh, for my brother's company, uh, whether it was summers or winter vacations. Um, it was just something that I enjoyed doing. So, yeah, I worked whenever I could. Wow. It, well, your brother, and I, I think you come from a family of builders, correct? Sure. Um, I worked for my brother, but uh, the person who started our company was uh, my father, who started our company in 1946. Uh, Dad retired in the early 70s. My brother Tom took over, and then I, uh, I joined her family business back in the late 80s. Wow. So his dad was a carpenter, and he was a carpenter. He's like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I think the similarities might stop there. <laughs> well, do you, do you have a, a favorite project? Well, I think we're sitting in it. Uh, good answer. <laughs> D 
did the uh, did the project here go smoothly or this project went smoothly yes it did um, the, some of the more challenging things about this project however were number one it's a unique structure uh, at least you know we don't see too many auditorium type projects built around here and there are certain things that are unique about it with the uh, with the precast wall panels and things like that but of course one of the more challenging things about it was maintaining the budget um, I know we, we spent a lot of money building the building, but dollar for dollar, we got a lot of building for our dollar. And uh, it was a period of budget checks all the way through the project. Yeah, yeah. For, for those of you who don't know, I actually have a real job, and it's, it's architecture, and we really did get a lot for the money here. Um, it, you know, it's, it's just amazing the way the, the, way the building came out. Um, l l let me ask you, uh, you know, a, a similar question. Is there a project in your background that kind of stands out as being you know kind of challenging or uh, one of the more interesting and challenging projects that our company did was one that we did uh, just recently and it was the renovation of Alton City Hall uh -huh. which is a neat project in that um, it is Alton City Hall so a lot of people have an opportunity to go into the building a lot of people have going in have been going into that building for a long time so there's a lot of people who will come up to us even yet today or come up to me and say gee you know how how neat the building is because they were in it you know 10 and 20 years ago and they go into it now and although it's pretty much the same building uh, from the inside it's a very different building than what it used to be so it was <clears throat> it was you know a, 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 a total renovation of the of the building. What, what, what does that kind of entail? I, well, I, I haven't been in it since it's been renovated. Um, it just is a, as I say, it's a different building on the inside. And one of the more challenging things about that project was um, if if you if you're uh, quite frankly old enough to remember, uh, I'm not. <coughs> <laughs> but the the uh, console chambers, as they call it, used to be a two-story room. And uh, the mayor and the council members would be down on one level. And up high, uh, there was actually uh, like a balcony. Well, it was a balcony. It was all poured concrete. And um, that it, was right in the middle of the building, correct? Right yeah. in the middle of the building, <clears throat> a tall two-story room. Uh, with this concrete balcony and the challenging thing about the most challenging thing about the project was that balcony had to come out because what they did is they were only using the lower level of that room and they were only really using it for like a lunch room and things like that well one of the reasons why Alton City Hall went through the renovation they did they needed more space so they took this two-story room and converted it into two one-story rooms so we completely took out all of that uh, concrete structure, and then we put in a whole new floor. Um, you infill. We infill. How right. did you get the steel? In? <clears throat> Very carefully. <laughs> Very carefully and in small pieces. Um, I can't remember offhand how wide that room is, but the beams, the supporting beams that support the floor structure, uh, were brought in in two or three pieces. And once they were gotten into the room, they were uh, structurally reconnected, they were welded together, and then hoisted into place, and then connected to the existing structure. 
to the well and then you you pretty much renovated the rest of the building as well correct? yeah we you know rearranged walls um, put in a brand new uh, heating and air conditioning system which was desperately needed um, and basically gave the building a facelift you got to remember the building was built in the 30s and the way we use buildings to now is different than the way buildings were used then so it's it was brought up to modern standards it, it, and the roof looks different too the roof is different in that when the building was originally built there was a mansard roof a sheet metal mansard roof around the building if you look at Alton City Hall and if you look at the post office across the street caddy corner there's a lot of architectural similarities and <clears throat> that's by design the two buildings were designed to complement one another uh, well somewhere along the way Alton City Hall lost its mansard and part of the project was to put it back up and it really serves no functional purpose in that it's not really it doesn't help the the roof system it does screen some rooftop equipment but more than anything else it was just to bring back the historical significance of the building so really you you took this building apart and put it back together how can you do that without the building falling down? Uh, again, very carefully, but you know what it what it takes is is the building has to be a good, sound building to begin with, uh, and that building uh, is basically it's a reinforced concrete structure. The skeleton of that building was very strong, and uh, we were able to build upon that. So, if the foundations are good, you can pretty much do anything. Uh, if the yes, yeah, <laughs> good foundation, good structure, and and you can make it work and otherwise if you try to renovate a building that has a poor foundation and a poor structural system you really got a question as to whether or not it's worth it so if the foundations are good you can pretty much do anything did let's I get play, pj did i big, play right into that <laughs> <laughs> let's give pj a big hand thanks for coming out here thanks pj if the foundations are good you can fix anything That'll preach. Anyway, what Jesus was talking about here in this parable, he wasn't talking, you know, the rains came, the wind blew. He wasn't talking about trying to avoid the weather. He was talking about your foundations have to be built well in order for the building to stand the troubles that come. You know, Jesus was helping us to understand that storms are going to happen. You know, they are. You know, Christ really expects people to be smart about their life, you know, about smart about the priorities that their lives are built upon and the philosophies that you live by. See, because these are the foundations that help us to stand when the hard times come. See, just like in construction, if you mess up the foundation, the entire structure is at risk and there's not a whole lot you can do about it when the bad times come. You see, building your life on anything other than what Jesus taught is to mess up your foundation. If your foundation is there, you're going to have even harder problems. So here's the question. What's your foundation made of? That's what I want to talk about today. What is your foundation made of? That is what Jesus' point was when he talked about this scripture here in Matthew chapter 7. You see, God is renovating us. He's shaping you into the person that you were meant to be. And like a building, there's a process that you go through. You know, you go through this process with God. This is something that you're going to build together with him. 
You go through this process with God to renovate you into the person that God wants you to be. Simple as that. And here's the things that we're going to let you go through. You evaluate the existing conditions. Then you go through design, demolition, and construction. Evaluating the existing conditions, let's talk about that for just a second. The second Corinthians chapter 13. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. So part of this process, evaluating the existing conditions, let's take a look. Let's go through this building and see what we've got to work with. You see, when Jesus talked about building a house, what he was doing, he was summarizing the Sermon on the Mount. Many of you heard of the Sermon on the Mount? Okay. He was summarizing that. You see, the Sermon on the Mount describes two different, entirely different foundations to build your life on. One is on sand and the other is on rock. And so let me summarize Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And this is this, just take a minute. He says, instead of hate as your foundation, build your foundation on forgiveness. Instead of building... Instead of having a foundation built on on lust, how about faithfulness instead? That's the rock foundation. Whereas the sand would be deception, the rock would be truth. You know, instead of revenge, Christ says, pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies instead of wanting revenge. Instead of being real religious and just going through the motions, do secret acts of kindness. Hmm. Instead of pursuing money, pursue God. Instead of worrying about troubles in this world, which is sand, faith is the rock. Faith. Instead of condemning other people, try humility. That's the rock. Instead of being indifferent, pray. And finally, instead of being a jerk, be a friend. Well, that's Dave's translation, but I think you all get the point. So he's teaching about these foundational principles in our lives. That is the rock that we need to build our lives on. And as we're evaluating those existing conditions, did any of those ring a bell? Any of those need some work on with you? You know, any of that stuff? We need to inspect our existing conditions. And once we've inspected our conditions and kind of know where we're at, it's time for design. And just knowing those existing conditions aren't enough. You know, God, God has designs for you. He has designs for your life. Ephesians chapter 1 says this. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. See, God has a design for your life, a design. He has a plan for your life. It's there for you. So God does have design for your life. Next slide, please. See, when an architect draws plans for a building, 
he lays out all these detailed drawings. Let me show you. These are plans. You recognize it? It's Faith Fellowship. These are the architectural plans of how this building was put together. Now look at this. Look how thick this is. And there are architectural drawings in here, mechanical, electrical, structural. Every little detail that goes into putting a building together is in here for the builder to follow. And God has these for your life. Let me put these aside for just a second. So God has drawn up these plans. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every little cotton pick in detail. You know, aside from these, there's a book of specifications. They're usually really thick. And it spells out absolutely everything. Look around. How the railing fits to the wall. How the seats connect to the chairs. What kind of carpet we're going to use. The brand name of the light fixtures. It's all there. All the little details. And God in much the same way cares about all the little details in your life. You see, this, this step is where it starts to take a little courage. You see, we know what the building is supposed to look like. That's the Sermon on the Mount. That's what, our, what God is building us. That's what it's supposed to look like. What we don't know in construction, as well as in building ourselves, is the cost. And you go out on a limb a little bit. And sometimes it can get a little scary. And Christ warned us about not counting the cost in Luke chapter 14. He says, suppose if you, one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see it if he has enough money to complete it? For he, if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish Next slide, please. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So Christ is issuing a little warning here, saying, count the cost. As you come into design and you figure what God wants to design in you, yes, there is a cost. And we've got to count it, you know. Sometimes it could be a little scary. You know, the rich young ruler, when Jesus came to him, the rich young ruler came and said, what do I need to do to be your disciple? And he said, go sell everything you own and come and follow me. And he couldn't do it. He turned away and was sad. The question is, what are you holding back today when you're counting that cost? Money? your finances, your career, politics, a position or title that you hold? What are you holding tightly? What are you not holding with an open hand? What does God completely not have control of? We need to hold our lives with an open hand before God and tell him it's all his. We've got to let go of the security that we have. So you can't move in faith and hold on to the past at the same time. You have to move forward. You have to let go. You know, Abraham, he had to leave where he lived and go somewhere. He didn't know where yet. You know, Moses had to let go of being the next Pharaoh to follow God. He had to do that in order to follow God's will. 
Nehemiah gave up a secure job to, well, build a wall around Jerusalem. The point is, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. You've got to take that risk. The best example is like a trapeze artist. You know, you can be in one spot and you swing out there and there comes a point where you've got to let go and you're in error for a minute before you grab onto that next trapeze line. You know, you ever been there in a career? You know, where you're switching jobs and you're between them and you haven't quite grabbed the next one yet, but you've let go of the first one? Yeah, that can be a little bit scary. But God has a plan. And you grab that bar. And you go on to the next phase in your life. And God gives us the courage to make that decision. He's there for us. And, you know, you really do need courage again for the next phase, for that next step, which is, as we were talking about, the demolition. You see, God absolutely wants to build character in your life. See, our goal here, our goal here is not comfort. You know, there's a lot of people that think, well, our goal in life is to be comfortable, is to make the best life we can, just be comfortable in avoidance of any kind of trouble, and that's our goal. That's, that's why we're here. Well, that would be true if this is all there was. You know, if, 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 if planet, Earth were, planet Earth was it, that would be a great plan. But we've only got about 80 or 90 years on this planet. And then what happens? Then there's trillions and trillions of years in heaven. Eternity, forever. This is just a small time that we've got here. What are you going to do in heaven? Well, you're going to be comfortable for one. So God uses the trouble that we come across here to build character in us. As we react When troubles come, you get put under that pressure. Who you are comes out. And it's the reaction, isn't it? It's how we deal with those things that's important. So God uses trouble to build character in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, At present you may be temporarily harassed by all kinds of trials. This is no accident. It happens to prove your faith, which is infinitely more valuable than gold. You know, I don't, I don't know if you've figured it out yet, but, but life is hard sometimes. It's tough, you know. And sometimes it's just the, it's just the little annoyances, you know. It's that, it's that person that cut you off in traffic, you know. I don't know about you, but I don't always handle that well, you know. You get cut off, you get cut off in traffic, what do you want to do? You want to turn on your brights. You want to tailgate the guy. Not that I would ever do that. So some of you may have, but... God uses trouble to build character in us. And, and, and don't be surprised. It's tough. Because that's, that's what life is. You know, this is the get ready stage where we're learning. Call it the learning stage. You know, you're going to get ready for the real show. And it's going to go on for trillions and trillions of years. This is, the, this is not the comfort stage. This is the character building stage. And what we're doing is we're demolishing everything in our lives that's not like Christ. It's the demo phase, the demolition. And people ask, why is this happening to me, Lord? Why? Why me? Why me? I remember it was some years ago. I was in a a meeting, 
And it went on all day. It lasted late into the night. And I was the last one to leave and shut off the lights and everything. And I, I, went, out into the, I went out to the parking lot, got to my car and realized I left my lights on. Oh, no. And I get into the car, open the door. <clears throat> battery's completely dead. Don't have a cell phone. Out in the middle of nowhere. You know, and I just sort of looked up at the heavens and said, Lord, what have I done? I just felt God say, you've left your lights on. (laughs) Stuff happens. This life isn't perfect. And it's not about comfort. So why why do these things happen? One sentence. To build character. That's why. See, God cares more about your character than your comfort. See, every problem has a purpose. And that purpose is to make you more like Christ, if you will allow that to happen. You need to learn to think like Jesus and act like Jesus and speak like Jesus, love like Jesus. And after the demolition, we start with the real construction. You see, once the demolition stops, we stop tearing down all the stuff that's not like him and start adding stuff that is like him. And, you know, sometimes it can be as difficult as putting in a steel structural support building inside an existing building. Piece by piece, small little steps. Second Corinthians says this, 3.18, As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. And this is our role. This is where our role comes in in the construction process. There's a big word I want to share with you. It's called sanctification. It means becoming more like Christ. And part of our role is, number one, is to read his word. John 17 says this, sanctify them, there's that word, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The word of God can make you more like him. So read the word. The word makes us like Jesus and builds our character and matures us. But there's one thing you have to remember. Hearing and reading those words aren't enough. You have to do what it says. Remember our scripture from earlier today? Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So it's not just about reading the word. It's about doing the word as well, making it a part of you, owning it. You see, you're laying a foundation with every decision that you make. Will you choose to listen to Christ's words? And more importantly, will you choose to do them? Luke chapter 11 says this. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So read the word and do what it says, including pray. Now, some people say pray and it, and it you know, there's a lot of these and thous and all this sort of stuff, but really it's about talking to God. It's that It's that stream of consciousness conversation that you have with God. It's good to get away and have a focused time of prayer as well. But what I'm talking about is talking to God. 
and particularly pray when there's times of trouble. So what do you, because what do you pray about? James chapter 1 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generally, generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. You see, you, you pray for wisdom when you're in the middle of your problems because you want to learn from the problem. You see, we become overwhelmed when we don't understand why things are happening to us, but we can understand those things when we pray to God for wisdom. You see, wisdom is seeing what's happening from God's point of view. And if you start to see things from God's point of view, when you start asking like David said, Lord, search me and know my heart and point out anything that isn't of you. So we pray to understand those problems. And there's, there's no situation that we can't learn from if we don't have the right attitude. See, you don't ask why. More important to ask what. What? What do you want to teach me, Lord, in what I'm going through right now? What is it that you want me to learn? So God has lots for you to learn through the stuff that you're going through, both good and bad. And for I want to say our, our position in this, our responsibility, because we're doing it together with God, is to relax. Trust that God knows what's best for you. See, cooperate with his purpose. That's what's called faith. James chapter 1 says this, you must believe and not doubt. Let God do his work. Relax, because it's God doing a work in you. You see, God is in control and he has a plan for your life. The drawings are there. The design is done. We know what the finished product wants to look like. So let God do it. Let God do the demolition. Let him do the construction. It's happening. God has a plan for you and is in control of your life. I want to leave you with this. The famous architect named Frank Gehry and those of us in the architectural field know a little bit about Frank Gehry, and that is actually a built building. Can you believe that? Now, Frank Gehry is uh, not someone that uh, architects are indifferent about. Some people think he's an absolute genius, and his buildings are sculptures. Others think, you know, he made a model out of plastic and put it in the microwave for a while. And it comes out looking like that. So how can, how can that stuff possibly, how can that building possibly stand up? Well, it's the foundation. Even when a building is wild like that, if the foundations are good, you can do just about anything. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your foundation. Thank you that you are our rock upon which we can build. Father, I ask that you would come now to those people that are struggling with their foundations, to those people that maybe are going through a bit of a demolition time right now. Father, I ask those people even going through the constructions that you would help them. Help them get in on your plan with you and work in cooperation 
Father, that we could build something together with you. Ask this in your name. Amen.